not gonna say it if somebody should let's talk about two time let's talk about bum one yeah asking the questions that nobody could like where are the bone dogs and are they in Welcome. I'm back in the same spot with the the construction guys who are defying death. They do have a guy who's badly directing traffic today. I went, I was like, someone must have been struck by a vehicle and killed yesterday because <laughs> it seems super dangerous. And now they got a guy out here who doesn't seem to know what he's doing. They were just like, direct traffic. And he's like, okay. I've had this experience. You'd think it'd be real easy to direct traffic, but I remember at work, we've had a couple experiences where I had to sort of direct traffic for like 10 minutes. And it's challenging. You have to like know exactly what you're doing and have thought of all the stupid ways that people are trying to access or de-access, leave, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. I uh, saw a thing online yesterday that I thought I thought was worth mentioning. Um, some guy, I don't know who the fuck he was, some guy, um, basically put a tweet up that turned very controversial or something. Because basically he was talking about how he's been reading really long books, um, but he reads them on his commute, which I, I assume is a train or something and not in the car. I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but there was a guy I went to college with. So, you know, he was a, an English major. So we read a bunch of shit, right? Like you just, you're reading a ton. Um, and he would read, he was in Fort Morgan, Colorado and would commute to Greeley. So it is, it's a pretty long and straight drive. And he was always telling me that he would take his book and sort of set it on the steering wheel and then read as he was driving into school. Now, he was like a, a older guy. He wasn't like a non-traditional student, as we say. He wasn't like 60, but he was probably like in his early 30s or something like that. And he was just talking about how he'd always read, do his readings on his way in, especially of like the in fiction class, the short stories that other people wrote that we were supposed to workshop, which I always thought was interesting because, you know, sometimes he'd be like, well, I had a hard time, a hard time getting it, getting the story. But, you know, he'd, he'd be like, sometimes I have a hard time following the story, but that could be because I read it on my drive-in. And I don't think he told the whole class this. I think he, he would say that, but he wouldn't say that he was driving a car at the time. So that was why he was distracted. <laughs> I never really understood how he did that. And I always wondered, like, what's suffering more here, the driving or the uh, the reading? Which, which one is not working? He highly recommended Chris Crutcher as a drive and read. So I was like, you know, Chris Crutcher must have a real good way of gripping somebody in a story. And also, 
must not, he must trim the fat pretty well. I feel like this is like a, a lesson I would teach if I was teaching a writing class would be like, uh, I'll call it the Jeremy test because that was his name and be like, so here's this guy. Here's what he did. So think about, think about the fact that like your story, um, is it going to lose someone who's half paying attention? Because that's probably going to be the case. At least for the first, you know, 20 to 25 pages of a, of a novel, it's like, you got to fucking grab this guy and take him for a ride and then end it. <laughs> anyway, so this guy's reading uh, long books on his commute and he was cutting them in half. Um, so, you know, he, he posted a picture. It was like infinite jest and Dostoevsky and something else. Um, and they were cut in half because he was like, well, you know, like if you take infinite jest, that's like a, I don't know, let's call it a thousand page novel. Um, that's a brick to be carrying around. And especially if you, if you're taking it day one on the subway, it's like, well, look, I'm not going to get through fucking 500 pages of this shit on my way to and from work. Even if I was on the train for a straight hour, I'm not going to get nearly that far. So it makes sense, right? Like I understand what he's doing and why. And I guess a lot of people were pissed off. First thing I want to address, some people were pissed off because they're like, looks like you're reading a lot of uh, old dead white guys kind of thing, which I was like, I mean, he's, he took a picture of three books that he read that are super long. And he even said something too. He's like, yeah, I guess like these old dead white guys tend to write these super long books. I don't, I don't know. And, you know, he seemed a little like he wanted to defend himself and be like, here are some more diverse reads I have coming up. But I, I just I'm like, look, we don't need to critique an individual's choice of reading, because frankly, to me, I feel like we're in a desperate enough position at this point where I'm like, I'm not going to discourage anyone from reading anything because it's like nobody reads books anymore. So whatever. <laughs> whatever you feel like you want to read like go for it i'm in i'm into it i think that's a great idea to read a book what book is it i don't care i didn't even notice i'm not gonna pay attention because fuck it just read it just read something read something uh but anyway a lot of people were just mad because he's like destroying a book and they're like this is so unnecessary um and i have arguments for starters, a lot of people were like, get a Kindle. Like, this is what Kindle was invented for, blah, blah, blah. Which I'm like, I kind of agree with that. I could see it. But also, as a, as a Kindle user, it's like, I have my gripes with the Kindle. Um, the other day, this has never happened to me before in a couple years of owning a Kindle. But the other day, I got on it and it was like updating. So it took it took a couple minutes, which isn't a big deal, except, you know, I was just going to read a couple pages while I was brushing my teeth. And uh, it just went to like updating. This could take a couple minutes. And I was like, this is fucked up, man. That never happens on a, a print book. I should probably at some point, you know, re re talk about Kindles and how I feel about them. But we'll get to that later. Point being. Um, they're not perfect and they need, 
they need charging, they need maintenance. The other thing is, I think, um, I, like this guy, I assume, have a bunch of books that I'm always like, I'm going to read this, I'm going to read this, and then other books get in the way, which is a, a fine problem to have. But every year, I'm like, this is the year I'm going to read a bunch of this stuff and get rid of a bunch of them and so on. And I did do that quite a bit when I was moving to Oregon, supposedly. Um, but every year I'm kind of like, I'm going to read a bunch of these print books I have and then get rid of the ones I don't want to keep, which is probably most of them and so on. So like, I, I don't know that buying a thing is the answer here, because if, if that's where you're at, if you're like, I have a really, a fairly large book collection and I'd like to read these books that I've got, then whatever. Um, bigger argument here in favor of what he's doing I mean, based on the books he showed us, we're not talking about like a rare volume here. Um, we're not talking about a book that the destruction of a copy is going to result in a scarcity of some kind. Like that's not at all what's happening. Basically, we're talking about mass market books. I mean, just there's tons and tons of these books out there. So there's really no need to... Uh, to make a fuss about them, I guess, to put it one way. There's just not, um, there's not a lack of copies of these books out there. Like, they're everywhere. You cannot, you cannot walk through a used bookstore without finding a copy of Infinite Jest or a Dostoevsky book or something. You know what I mean? We're not talking about this guy is cutting up some rare volume. I ran into this, I did a, uh, a column a while ago about book donations and basically was like, here's the harsh truth about donating books and was like 90% of stuff that you want to give us, we don't want. Um, cause it's mostly garbage. And I had some pretty hardcore rules as far as like, Hey, if your stuff smells like cats at all, I love cats. Here's a picture of my cat. But if your stuff smells like cat, we don't want it. Like we just don't, um, we can't sell it. If your stuff is, you know, uh, an encyclopedia, we don't want it. If it's an old dictionary or a thesaurus, we probably don't want it. You know what I mean? A bunch of stuff like that. Um, if it's not in almost new condition, we kind of, we don't really want it. Um, and somebody on there was kind of like, you're such an idiot. Like, you would probably throw away a first edition Gutenberg Bible or something like that. Which I was like... Well, I, I take your point, and yeah, I probably would, or probably have, in my life, ended up recycling a book that was of monetary value. But my argument here is like, well, why would someone donate a Gutenberg Bible? But let's not be specific. Let's, t let's talk about something like that's possible. Um, a first edition of a James Patterson, like Along Came a Spider, right? which would probably have a significant monetary value, or like a first edition of The Stand by Stephen King. That's probably worth some bucks, even if it's not in great shape. And so that's one I can look at and say, like, yes, I may end up recycling that, although I never would because Stephen King people will buy no matter what. I, something I learned about, and I don't know if it's Colorado specific, but in Colorado for sure, Something I learned at the used bookstore is people will always buy Stephen King. 
they will always buy Jack Kerouac. I don't know what it is, but they will. And this was Fort Collins, so it may be, you know, obviously hippies. Hippies buy Jack Kerouac, but that's a whole other story. Um, point being, I might end up throwing that away. And then there's one less first edition of The Stand in the world. But I think it's important to say, like, well, listen, by being by not going through every single thing by hand and stuff, um, the amount of time I would save. And so basically the amount of money you save the taxpayer in uh, wage is easily balances out the amount of uh, money that would be gained by that or whatever. And maybe it's not about the money. Maybe it's about the book existing or whatever but i don't know you can if you if you kind of work within the industry of like used books or libraries or whatever you pretty quickly figure out that like most of the times if someone has like a valuable book they're not going to put it in a box with their college textbooks and just drop it off in front of the library or like the used bookstore i worked at took anything you could just bring in any book and they would take it. And so then, you know, one of the jobs there was to price everything, which the guy there didn't really want me doing a lot. But I started doing a lot because it was it was a funny job because a lot of people volunteered there and didn't do shit. And I felt like the the volunteer coordinator guy was nice and he was in that difficult position where he felt like he couldn't really demand that people do work when they were there. Um. So a lot of people would just sit at the register and do nothing. Whereas when I got there, I would usually do some shelving. I would uh, organize some shelves. I would do some cleaning. You know, I I kind of came there to work. Like, this is my this is the pro of hiring Pete as your volunteer is like he comes to work. So anyway, um, I would try and do the pricing and I would just see the stuff back there and be like, what the fuck, man? Like. I, I know that you think there are probably a lot of gems in here but like we need to stop taking literally everything because there was just so much nonsense um anyway let's get back to the point so basically what i'm trying to say here is these are not like valuable books in terms of these are not first editions of valuable books they're not valuable as objects it's just People have this idea of the book as sort of a sacred object. And I, I really think this may carry through because, like, a lot of the, the first books that were mass-produced and stuff were, like, holy texts, right? Like, Bibles and Korans and things like that. I mean, that was a lot of the, the books that were first mass-produced because they had the resources and they had reason to do it, right? They had a reason to... Uh, want to pass on this information slash these stories and so anyway it, it is it is weird like sometimes you end up recycling a bible and it feels weird because you're like I, this probably was really meaningful to somebody and so on but on the other hand you're like well what are you, what else are you gonna do i mean if you don't have room for it at home don't expect me to have room for it um but I digress. So I don't think cutting cutting these books apart is like a totally unreasonable thing to do. 
just because I feel like um, the destruction of this one copy is not going to affect the wider marketplace in any way. It's not, it's not even a blip. If you've ever thrown a book in the garbage or recycling or donated it, quote unquote, fully expecting that, you know, they're not going to get any money out of it or anything, you've done the exact same thing. I mean, in terms of like the ultimate fate of that book. Um, but I think another thing that's important to me about books is like, I advise anyone who is into books to kind of keep two separate collections and you don't have to physically separate them, but just kind of in your mind, when you're looking at buying a book or when you're looking at keeping books or, you know, if you're going to Marie Kondo your books, um, I think that it's important to think of two different uh, books, two different ways. One is, um, this is a book that I just want to read. So basically that book is a vessel. It's an information vector and the information goes from the page into your little brain. And once that has happened, once the story or the information has gone into your little brain, then you're done with the book. You don't need it anymore. Um, the book has served its purpose. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, it would be like saving every every bottle that you've, every beer bottle. And it's like, well, the bottle is really just a conveyance because they can't just pour a beer into your cupped hands. That would be pretty awesome. If someone opened a bar where it's like you could do that somehow, but that's not how it works. Uh, so, you know, you have to have a conveyance to bring the beer from where it's made to your face and all the steps in between. The book is the conveyance for the story or the information or whatever um, from where it went in the author, from the author to you. This is the most convenient or most um, realistic conveyance for it. That's one way. The other way, I think, you can also look at some of your books as objects. Objects you want to keep, objects that have valuable, valuable, objects that have value as objects. So um, signed books, like you went and got a signature at a reading or something, right? That might be something you keep. Maybe you've got like a uh, little chapter book that you've had since childhood. Maybe you've got like a, uh, I have a book called Haunted Air, and it's like a bunch of pictures of Halloween costumes from like the 50s. And it's great. And it's like, well, you don't really look through it one time and then you're done with it, right? You kind of keep, you revisit it, whatever. Um, a book that you really are going to revisit is worth keeping. Although I have to be honest with you, like I love books and I've reread very few. Um, it's usually a rewarding experience, but it's just not something that I've done a lot of. Because there's so much shit out there. There's so much new to read um but anyway i think i think there are books that for whatever reason you don't have to really even have a specific reason but you're like i like this book as an object you know you can you can just love it as much as uh you love some tchotchke that you keep because you're just like i just really like this thing or it reminds me of xyz or um this book was with me when i did something that was significant to me whatever um, 
or a book that, you know, maybe you're like, I really do intend to loan this out to other people or something like that. Whatever. It doesn't matter the specific. The point is, I think that every good book collection consists of these two kinds of books. Um, ones that you're just sort of intending to read and then ones that are objects. And then when you buy books, I think you should buy that with that in mind. You should be thinking, now, is this another one that I'm going to be adding to my I'm never going to get rid of this collection? Or is this one that I'm just going to read and get rid of unless I'm blown away or something specific happens? And so anyway, I think that the books that this guy is looking at are often books that people put on their shelves as like trophies. Because sometimes I think you see a bookshelf at someone's house and it's a bookshelf that's like, ask me about the things I've read. Um, and people very intentionally put out books that they're like, well, yeah, oh, Infinite Jest, blah, 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 Dostoevsky, da, 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 da. Um, but, you know, my advice is like, eh, these people usually aren't that interesting. I, I really like when people read, but also it doesn't impress me if someone slogged through a really difficult book if they didn't enjoy it. I would be very interested to hear from someone who read Infinite Jest and was like, I just really, I had a good time with it. Like, I didn't feel like it was an obligation. I just was interested in it. Um, I just picked it up. I don't really know anything about it. But um, I, I'm not real into that aspect of books, which is like books as trophy. Um, because that, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's not like a, it's not a big deal to me that you finished a book. Like, it's it's no bigger deal to me that someone read Infinite Jest than someone read Twilight. And frankly, if I went to like one of my friend's houses and he had Twilight on the shelf, I'd be like, tell me about this. What's going on? Did you like this? What was what did you think? Like, how how is the book? Is this just like is this a guilty pleasure? Is this something you actually enjoy? What's going on? It would be a lot more interesting to me. Um, or, you know, I would be very interested in finding out a friend had like a secret love of twilight that would be a lot more interesting to me than finding out like one of my friends managed to finish moby dick i'd be like well good for them but i don't really care to say that i care is probably an overstatement <laughs> um and yeah i guess i think like when we're talking about Cutting books in half, I just feel like this is a great case for, um, someone put it, I can't even remember what they were talking about, but it was like a, a women's issue, and they were like, an important phrase when discussing women's issues uh, for women is, good for her, not for me. Um, and like, feel free to use that phrase widely. Good for her, not for me. So in other words, like, uh, we're talking about natural birth. And they're like, I didn't want to use a, uh, didn't want to use an epidural or whatever. And it's like, hey, good for her, not for me. Um, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be about you as far as other choices other people make that don't really affect your life. And I think that's exactly the phrase to use about this guy cutting books in half. Good for him, not for me. The ultimate thing for me is like, you know what? At least this fucker is reading the books. Like, this fucker is reading, 
And if he's found a method to get himself to read, I'm in. That seems like a win to me. Um, whatever you got to do to kind of get yourself reading, I think is a good choice. <laughs> like, really, I really do. I think that if you can figure out a way to consume more books, then it's probably worth it to to take that take that path. Um, and yeah, I just I don't I have a hard time understanding the sort of uh, the hate for it. It's just like people have such a strong opinion on how this guy is reading books, but whatever. Why why does that matter to you? It, does it affect you? No. Does it mean he's reading more? Probably. Um, he's tackling some longer books. I think that's a noble a noble cause. And just yeah, not for me, but good for him. Totally the answer here. So I don't know. Is the novel dead? That's the question for next time. Um, Brett Easton Ellis says yes. Other people say no. Um, the only people who really talk about this probably have strong opinions on it or are novelists, which means they have a strong opinion on it, which is probably no. Because if you're a novelist, I mean, why would you call yourself a novelist if you're like, the novel's dead? I'm a novelist. Be like, okay, well, you seem kind of stupid. But uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to try this. Do a little cliffhanger. Is the novel dead? Find out on our next episode.